Hi. I got a tape I want to play. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Your move, creep. Take me to the volcano! So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Come with me if you want to live. This town needs an enema. Like I said, I need a bacchiatomy. Yes, that's a human ear, all right. I got a bad feeling about this. So, it's come to this. Mm. Feels like a long time to me <laughs> since we've done one of these. <laughs> it kind of always does, yeah, whenever we finally get back together. <laughs> Feels too long. It's been a lot of time has happened since then. Yeah, re- well, yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. <laughs> a lot of things have happened, a lot of developments. Yeah, I'm Eric. I'm Charlie. Uh, this is a movie podcast, and recently, uh, the tragic, unexpected <laughs> passing oh, guys, of show favorite uh hal holbrook uh, who you know so broken up right now there's some things you know you can roll with the punches on and then other things <laughs> are so ex- unexpected recently we've had these unexpected passings of carl reiner right you had cloris leachman i didn't know anybody that saw that coming poor cloris yeah sean connery your christopher plumbers even yeah oh, plumber baby it's face just like, christopher plumber they're taking all these people from us, and nobody sees it coming. Because <laughs> how- it is sad. It is sad. Though. <laughs> it's sad, but it's one of these things where we want to talk about Hal Holbrook, just because this guy was doing everything he wanted in the world of acting. Yeah, for longer than most of us will actually be alive. You, you, <laughs> yeah, you couldn't ask for a person to leave a bigger body of work. Yeah. Than someone like Hal Holbrook. A more respected, more well-known and recognizable body of work. 40 40 years plus of delivering the goods. Yeah. And uh, we've already talked about him several times on this podcast. Exactly. Um, Even though he's not really a horror or genre guy. (laughs) Yeah, nobody, most people would not think of Hal Holbrook as a genre actor. But he's shown up in some of our favorite movies. Yeah. My my personal favorite is still the fog. Sure, as the drunken priest who is like excited to be executed by pirates. <laughs> He's he was such a we we've talked about on our fog episode about how it would have been really easy to cast Donald Pleasance as the priest in that movie, but bringing on someone Absolutely. like Hal Holbrook is such a cool three to four scene part that is so much more interesting and really sets it apart from. Mm-hmm. what we've come to expect from other uh, Carpenter movies. And yeah, then we uh, <laughs> we talked about him on Creepshow. Oh, yeah. Love <laughs> him in Creepshow. Such a different role uh, than The Fog. His, his kind of, he's got this great just cynicism about him. Yeah. That really comes through in these roles. And in Creepshow, where he's plotting the murder of his wife, Adrian Barbeau, Billy... Billy and oh. uh, the whole that whole segment is really one of my favorites uh, because of him. Yeah, and it's the longest sequence of that movie. Yeah, and yeah. it's because it, right it's middle. a lot of it's the hump Holbrook's reactions. And <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's so, a, and then yeah, you even made a, a comparison to him in another thing because he's best known as Mark Twain. Oh sure. So he's this guy that can be in. Television series of any kind. <laughs> Historical docudramas. Play. He, one of his last roles was in Lincoln, didn't you say? Yeah, I saw him in Lincoln. And he looks like a guy 
<laughs> I mean, I'm sure he looked perfect for the role. He had because he has that thick head of like white hair at that. Was point. it still as feathered as it was in the 70s and 80s? Like he's just got wings. He, he's got off the big side old of his wings head. off the side. Yeah, it's always this full set of curls. It looks very, uh, you know, Washingtonian. Oh, the older sure. and whiter he got it, you know. Uh, we've seen him all through the... He's a classic the, face. It, but yeah, so he gets all these great historical roles, and that's why he's this guy who, even though I don't think of him as a, a genre actor, it's a guy who I literally was just omnipresent during like childhood and through my teens because of all these historical things he did that would get shown in my history class. Absolutely, yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, in drama class, we had to watch Our Town. Oh, okay. And he plays the, the stage manager in Our Town, which is the narrative voice of the whole thing. And I guess there it was probably some uh, television adaptation in the 70s. But we watched that, and it's like, my family's, one of, their, one of our favorite shows to watch as a family was Evening Shade. Mm-hmm. It's like an early <laughs> 90s Burt Reynolds sitcom, and Holbrook played his father-in-law. So it's like all these different things. How Holbrook was just in yeah. another one we watched in history class was all the president's men. Absolutely. Well, that was, I was going to say if yeah. you know him from anything, it's probably as Deep Throat from yeah. all the president's men. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember I was going through his IMDb and it was like, oh, he was in the Firm, which I watched a million times in the nineties because totally. it was on TNT. Uh, what was the other one in the eighties? Yeah, there was it was just movies like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, Wall Street was the other one. Sure. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why I watched TV. Wall Street every time it was on. <laughs> I loved it. I loved that slick back Gavin Newsom hair that everyone's got. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, Wall Street's cool, man. <laughs> just like nine years old, like watching TNT. <laughs> like, man, this is drama. This is a fast-paced society these people live in. I'm unfamiliar with all of this. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this solid blue shirt with a white collar. They got their initials on their pockets. Oh, Who are, are these bold men? suspenders. They're meeting in the middle of Central Park. Where is this? It's a world you didn't know. We're fascinated by small Wall town Street. boy just watching. Oh, they're just they're just standing around in offices, eighty <laughs> floors up in the sky. Like I can't get over what that. What is this? You just conduct your daily business half a mile in the air in a building. That's crazy. <laughs> That's insane. Do you ever think about that? <laughs> I did as a kid. <laughs> I sure did. In your many viewings of TNT Sunday afternoon showing of Wall Street. You can see forever out those windows. <laughs> no, I, I remember really digging the firm because as a 12-year-old, that was my way to see r-rated movies that was my introduction because my parents had this weird rule it's like they didn't think i would read except i loved reading (laughs) but if i read a book that got made into a movie they'd let me then see the movie afterwards so that's how i was like i'm reading carrie i'm reading you know that's how i you know that's why i started reading stephen king was because then i got to see (laughs) stephen king movies i read misery i got to watch misery and And your parents are like well he's reading so then you know my parents would get like paperbacks at costco and so they were get you know the 
John Grisham, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. So I read The Firm, then I got to see the R-rated Firm. So it's like, of course Hal Holbrook's in this. He's in everything I watch. That's right, yeah. He is in everything in my classes. He is in every movie now. He's he's kind of in in all our subconscious. Like, even if you don't know him, as soon as you see a picture, you're going to recognize. He's one of those faces. You'll just be like, oh, I know I know that face. So I just love this dude. And we realized uh, he was in three other horror movies other than The Fog and Creep Show. That you neither of us out. had seen. Yeah. I just did a search where it's like, man, I, I loved him so much in those. And I didn't realize he had three others. They all sounded good. They all sounded like movies I'd want to see, even though I was only familiar with uh, the name of Girls' Night Out. And yeah. I knew uh, the basic plot of Rituals, except it was way different than I expected. Right. We're going to be talking about Rituals, mm-hmm. Girls' Night Out, and The Unholy. Which is a really cool span of years. Three like cool Rituals movies. is from '77, uh, Girls Night Out '82, and then The Unholy is '88. So you get a nice five-year jump. And they all have their own point. distinct genre, subgenre that they're could in. Not be more so different. It's it's great. Yeah. As soon as you kind of texted me this list of like, let's check out these three movies. Two of them are on YouTube. One of them's on Tubi. Yeah. Got to you know easy peasy. And yeah, looking these up, I was like, yes, I want to see. I all want to three see of all these of these movies. movies. And we did. We did. And what's wild is, this is the same dumb guy revelation that I have on all these, (laughs) is the reviews all seem really low for the movie that, the movies we got. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's just me going in with low expectations, but I came away with the main theme of the day being, these were all way better than I anticipated each of them being. And they apparently do not get that credit. Right. For being these were all these all so exceeded their specific genres than from what I was going in expecting. It was just like these should be bigger. Like, yeah. These how all, did I luck out watching three movies in a row that were better yeah. than I hoped it would be? That doesn't happen. These all seem like three movies that didn't get enough distribution, something pr- promotion. Uh, yeah, Girls Night Out being the one where it's like. I know I've seen on a blog something about that because it's this got this spelling crazy, of the name, and I've seen the mascot. It's got the bear. crazy mascot bear, and it's like yeah. okay, that's a thing. Yeah. But yeah, n- none of them are, are celebrated. Exactly. I never hear this one talked about with all the other great slashers, but we'll get to that. And I think it's great. This movie Rituals, I thought was going to be a backwoods slasher. It turned out to be like more hardcore than Deliverance. It's ho- this it's okay guys. Insane. Let's start with Want to start with Rituals? Yeah. Holy shit. Let's start this with the This movie big one. is so much more intense. Than I thought the the plot of the movie is just uh guys on a camping trip get stalked by a madman. Makes it sound like just any old woods right. for a slasher. And if you read anything about it it's Deliverance knockoff. Yeah, you know, meets kind of yeah. No man, Gen- generic slasher. But I think this is also seventy seven. Seventy seven. This is pre Halloween. Yeah, this is very much a Deliverance thing. But dude, this is way beyond this anything is, you get in Deliverance. This movie, yeah, I like Deliverance a lot. I think Deliverance oh, is yeah. great. Rituals shook me way more than Deliverance did, and there's not even like a rape scene <laughs> right. like in Deliverance. Rituals scared me more than Deliverance did. This movie was like, it was straight Vietnam. Like, it's like Southern Comfort, stuff like that. Being mm-hmm. hunted on terrain that is not your own. Yeah. And not even realizing at first you're being hunted. Going in just knowing nothing. Yeah, this movie's got such a um, 
beguiling way of luring you in. Yeah. It starts with almost like this on Golden Pond, like music and lake totally. uh, scene. <laughs> and then you get yes. these these five doctors who've all known each other since you know, school, it seems like. They get together every year. This is These guys are all in there. I, I got to assume this is the ritual from the title. I'm not sure what the title exactly. really comes. Exactly. Well, the, they, they, have, they clearly have this weird yearly ritual where right. one of them plans a secret vacation and gives minimal details to the others. And this is the only way these guys who have all kind of gone and we get this kind of long introduction to these characters. Uh I loved it, I loved the character development in totally. this movie. This the is way, a good script. The dialogue and the the arguments and the the way the characters interact is so believable. Yeah, well, and that's why like, I was so natural. stunned afterwards after seeing this movie and seeing everyone call it a deliverance knockoff or even a Texas chainsaw knockoff. Mm. Uh, I'm just like, no, this is really high end dialogue delivered by very good natural actors. Yeah. These people all felt like I was buying... This could have been a lot of really boring uh, inter-office neurosurgery politics and, like, the unwritten rules of having a medical license fireside chat. This could have been dull as dirt. But the way this whole movie was filmed and the way you were brought into these people's lives and learning a little bit more of their relationships while keeping a lot of stuff very vague... But just going through these people's lives and unpacking a bunch of stuff. Oh yeah, oh. There, there's character development throughout the throughout film. this whole movie. You learn things about these characters that reveal why they're like they are, and all the meanwhile they are being hunted. Yeah, like straight up. You know, this is not like kitschy slasher kind yeah. of stuff. This movie gets so serious and dark within ten minutes into the movie. I made a joke that it was like watching Aguirre, The Wrath of God. <laughs> Where it's just like Herzog's having these people just truck through, like carry a bunch of heavy shit down right. s- steep mountainsides, and then filming this like ravaged boat, and like, <laughs> it's supposed to be the worst shoot ever. You know, no place for comfort. Like you're just putting yourself through hell out on this location. And I make the joke. I didn't realize the whole thing was going to keep getting worse <laughs> for yeah. them. This was the most hell. This. The editing in this movie, I couldn't believe people like talking about it. It was a fun exploitation knockoff. Like, there are so many things that seem Academy Award worthy mm. in this. The cinematography and the editing. If these people were not in constant danger throughout much of this filming, then that editor deserves an Oscar. These people look like they were getting fucked up <laughs> for two hours. Yeah. These actors, this was... Th- who signs up for this? You got Hal Holbrook starring as Harry. Yeah. Uh, and then the funny thing is that you've got to have all this tension mm-hmm. between characters. You've got to have survival level like drama happening. Yeah. And then he's got to argue with a character named Mitzi. Mitzi. <laughs> we Mitzi. The other go- main guy's name is Mitzi. And so the whole time it's like, God damn it, there's a man out there, Mitzi. 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 <laughs> Listen to me, Mitzi. This was that a name back then? I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's got to be a nickname. These guys have known each other since college. So Lawrence Dane, though, as Mitzi is incredible oh, yeah. as well. Like every one of these guys is incredible. That's why it's so great. 
it these a lot of these guys are just like kind of what like Canadian actors. Hal Holbrook's the I only guess. like name name guy. Yeah, none of these flick. other guys. It's not really a big have cast anyway. Yeah, it's like six or seven people. Right. It's mostly these guys on their man. Let me tell you, I'm I'm glad I, I have friends, but I'm also glad <laughs> I don't have friends whose idea of like a fun trip is just going 28 miles out into the wilderness. I know. Man. Without being told much of what to prep for. Oh, man. Forget that guy. I'm so not the guy to do that. <laughs> no. It's insane how much I would not want to do this. <laughs> Sounds terrible. No way. No way. Yeah, they get flown in. They got to hike their way out in the middle of fucking nowhere. No one knows where they are. They got no radio. <laughs> the first night out, the killer uh, stalker, who they don't know about, steals all their boots. They're like 25 miles into the So they're basically, the woods. and they don't bring extra boots, so they're like, Barefoot, walking through yeah, the, rocks this... and rivers and cliffs, and the whole time they're just getting yeah, like you said, they're getting banged up. Yeah, they big take time. a beating. This gets so dark. That's why I, I like I said I made a joke about Aguirre when they're all walking through chest yeah. high water to get to just a location. I don't know where the, where this location <laughs> is, but that's this great scene. That's why that's one of these things where the the magic of editing the the most lo- the longest take of the whole movie is them going through that swamp mm. where they're dropping all their gear in but they're all laughing it's like clearly the actors are all just like what the fuck are we doing <laughs> this is crazy cuz these guys are just falling in the river the one guy there's that great bit where the guy's trying to not get his watch oh, wet yeah. lord's date is and then he gets it wet and he's just like <laughs> never, you know, it's just, everything's so natural. But like, it's so natural. Yeah. These guys, these all five of these guys, felt like people who've literally known each other for forty years. Yeah, it was great. And that's the, you know, all these other scenes of this movie are are cut with this great tight editing. And that movie, that scene was just allowed to play through. And it's immediately getting you not only into these people and who they are, but into the unpleasantness of the shit they are getting into, like yeah. voluntarily. Like, they are going, like, at what point do you say, like, is this the right way? <laughs> are we supposed to be in chest-high water? I don't no. think I was told about this. Yeah, as soon as I'm, like, at the docks where it's like, I'm sorry, we're taking a plane? Yeah, <laughs> we're on and this then... weird drunk guy's <laughs> prop plane? Hold on. Yeah. Uh, These no, people are far more adventurous than I. So, off, right, already. Yeah, what's great is, yeah, everything is very, like you said, very natural. So that when things start going wrong and... They, they find, like, a deer head propped up at night. <sighs> then they get attacked with bees. Dude. But it's, like, not goofy when the bees attack. You're like, I know. You're, like, you're like, get the fuck. You're, like, scared. For, everything was, is like, run, bees. <laughs> I was already scared, man. We, we These people get no time to rest. This is the worst vacation, even before oh, it's murders. Terrible. The worst. Before having to do a bunch of physical labor and murders happen, it's already the worst vacation of my life. It looks so uncomfortable just watching him walk around this campsite. Yeah, right. Like when when Holbrook finds out the boots are gone, he's like having to take this treacherous path over like a log that's been thrown between a stream. Like, oh, God. It's it's the worst. And they have no downtime. There's one scene of one guy fishing and another guy floating on the river. (laughs) And within a minute, somebody's like, who took our boots? Exactly. And from there, it's and from there, I'm just like, geez, they took their boots. I had no idea how much worse it was going to get for all of these people. Even though I knew murders were going to happen, right? They, these this movie is an 
an hour and a half of these guys getting tortured. It's like Rambo style traps too. Yeah. Like this killer basically they know they gotta get out of there. They know they don't know who's out it, there. This movie they know is it's a, a man. Vietnam kinda, but it's total thing, yeah. It, yeah, absolutely. I think in it uh specifically Hal Horbrook's a Korean war vet because he's an older guy. But right. it is like the the guy that is chasing them, they find out is a war vet. There's a ton, there's a ton of that stuff. But a deep, it's like World War Two. Yeah, He's even, <laughs> I know. Old a, man. They a, picked an old guy. He's an old mountain man hunter. Yeah. This is a madman Mars <laughs> is level looks, of old dude. It's basically man. It's this a mad is basically madman Mars. Mad this is a super like a. <laughs> this is a prestige madman. Totally, it really, it really was. This is an Oscar worthy version of madman. Pretty much. <laughs> you but, cut uh, out just a camp slasher and turned it into deliverance. That's it. I thought the exact same thing. That's funny. Especially because it seems like they just ripped the Madman Mars makeoff off from these guys, right? That guy had to have ripped it off. Yeah, 100%. It looked ex- right when the first time we see that guy at the end, I said, it's Madman Mars. <laughs> it's like his same shirt, too. Yeah. Everything about him is exact. Couldn't believe it. I know. We get... Two hours into the movie, and I realize it's Madman. <laughs> really? Are you kidding me? This is crazy. You had me going, Rituals. Rituals, you, you nuts. But the dude, OG, the OG though. But like, I so- felt so bad for the people <laughs> in this movie making this movie, having to go through this stuff, and was so impressed every scene that went on at how good the acting was yeah it's that level of like hell that these actors are being actually put through you could tell some of that was just pouring out naturally but you get such this broad range of acting from all these different guys most of whom i've never heard of mm-hmm. um where one guy is delirious after getting literally stepping in a bear trap dude this that's the, been set this up killer sets up bear traps in the river bro yeah Hardcore. Yeah, so they're floating this one guy who's in shock. Who has no, a broken leg and is going through, yeah, deep shock. They are going like they have a bottle of whiskey that they're drinking from, so these characters are in various degrees of drunk. Yeah. And then they also get into this whole... It's not just survival. They get into this idea of humanity and the idea that the hunter wants to break them down mentally. Yeah. And he wants them to, like, turn on each other. And, he want, and they're, like, starting to turn on each other. They have to, like, remain... Oh yeah, humane and 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 they have to work together. It's one of those. It never great, really. It's breaks. one of those great, like the guy you hate, you have to work with him to survive. Yes, it's these All guys who have these stuff they put deep in there. emotional connections and some feel wronged by other people in the group. And there's all these deep old feuds, absolutely, and old disappointments stuff under the that, that just comes up, yeah, coming out. And the movie has such a smart and well done way of revealing parts of these characters. That some are not necessarily important, but just flesh out who they are and where they might be coming from and their what their motivations are, but not in such a heavy way. Yeah, I was pretty Very stunned natural. by like a, yeah, like we've been uh, one of the characters just kind of casually outing himself when he just mentioned like the first man he ever fell in love with. Hmm. You know, when the guy knows he's dying and he's recanting these events. His life, and it's like it's just brought up as this thing that we didn't know about him, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't have necessarily assumed. But it's this new detail that makes you think about where he's coming from totally different. And the movie kept throwing those in. Yeah, that's why again, I can't believe people write this off as like a great gritty low budget '70s exploitation uh, backwoods flick. Like this is Oscar worthy stuff through and through. 
and Hal Holbrook especially in this movie. Yes. Especially in the last third where he really goes, he goes full Rambo. Like he's got the bandana around the forehead. He finds a gun. He's setting yeah. his own trap. Like he, he and the killer kind of have this cat and mouse at the end. It's this incredible it is, performance. It is that, dominating. <laughs> that's what I it's just. It is like you can't you can't turn away. It's one of those like just like I said. Put I, the made, phone down I made the Aguirre joke it. ten minutes into the movie, and ninety minutes after that, I couldn't believe that this movie isn't held in the same regard as some of the more torturing uh, Herzog movies, like Fitzcarraldo and like The Wrath of God and like Rescue Dawn, mm-hmm. stuff like that. What Hal Holbrook. Is seemingly putting himself through in this movie seems exactly like the kind of thing Christian Bale or Steve Zahn even put themselves through in Rescue Dawn. Right. You know that. Uh, like, I know it looks. It looks, it looks just. This movie just brutal. looks torturing for everybody involved in it. We have. There's no way they couldn't have been doing some of the physical work mm-hmm. in this movie. Oh, they're carrying a guy for half the movie. Yeah. They're floating this guy down the river, and then once they kind of get to these rocky cliffs, they're just carrying him like. Yeah, a meta va- like you know, like on a stretcher, on, on, on a, a homemade stretcher. stretcher with, and they're getting their own injuries this whole time. They're falling down hills in yeah. ways that looked grossly real. Yeah, and if they fall asleep, uh, the friend who died a few scenes back, his head shows up on a stick. Yeah, man, this they're getting the, they're getting the mind games, mind games played on the whole time. Yeah, and then they're just all these Shocking interesting stuff. psychological arguments. When they start getting into, are should they behave how the killer wants them to behave, or should we start going to some fucking wild card options here that he doesn't <laughs> expect? Yeah, right. you know, and that turning point in the movie where it never becomes exploitation, it just becomes this pure horror. Like this felt like one of the best written, desperate no good ending Stephen King short stories. Mm. That turning point in the movie where they realize we're not going to live, but we can decide how we die. We can decide how we, you know, knowing with our graves that we fought back and tried what we could. And this movie takes on a whole more important (laughs) philosophical tone of what it means. And there's this great dialogue between Hal Holbrook and Lawrence Dane. They're both arguing about when it stops mattering. Exactly, yeah. Totally. When a life stops mattering, when your friend is dead and you don't know how to, you're going to survive, how long do you carry this body? How long do you deal with his memory? Like, there's these great, important discussions Absolutely. back and forth of when it matters and why it matters and who would care if, who would know, who would, you know. Yeah, the idea of, of uh, if we're dead, no one will know how we behaved. Yeah. Before we died. And Hal Holbrook says, you know, we'll know. We'll know. We will know. And, and his whole... whole last hour of this movie is just a very defiant, stubborn, will know kind of performance from Hal Holbrook that, like I said, I think it's Oscar worthy. You get, he wins, he gets an Oscar nomination for uh, Into the Wild, where he's, you know, has one of those great but important small few scene roles in one part of the movie, mm-hmm. you know, as kind of a mentor to Emil Hirsch. And it's a great role, but the range and intensity and pure physical toil that he had to go through in rituals was so powerful to me. 
He was already like 50 years old in Rituals, yeah. by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. This guy was 95 yeah, when he passed the, that's the other wild. week. Is these people? I only know him are... as an older guy. Right, <laughs> yeah. Like, we don't know 20-year-old Hal Holbrook <laughs> on film. Maybe maybe some people do. I don't. When I saw him as Mark Twain in 1954, was it? <laughs> I, uh... You know, he didn't play like Danny in Greece. It's not like a thing yeah. where he could even be that <laughs> old guy playing a young guy. All of Always the Hal been an old guy. I know is like an old guy stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, that's the great thing about this, how impactful this physical work was in this movie is nobody in this movie was this isn't even like predator where these guys are like ah oh, these guys are athletes to an extent sure these guys were all men in their like regular 40s dudes. to 50s that none of them looked like total athletes none of them looked like they were total slobs but none of them looked like a guy that would have an easy time with a barefoot 28 mile hike yeah right you know this whole movie was just filled with things that i you know it makes you think about the limits of what you could do physically. I kept thinking this the whole time, is how far could I have gone? Mm. This movie becomes such an endurance test. At some point, he's literally alone dragging his dead friend on a stretcher. Right. Just the most physical work. There's this great long, the next long scene we get after our long take of the swamp crossing <laughs> is Hal Holbrook finally collapsing. And you just get these long takes of him just physically struggling and working to get his leg free that's under his dead friend. Right, and right. just, oh, God, like, what is he going through? These actors are like, this just looks like the most demanding work from all of these guys. There's, if, like I said, if the editing is so good that these guys actually didn't have just the most miserable month of their lives, <laughs> then that guy did an Oscar-worthy job of editing this movie. Yeah, exactly. Because this looks like five men who were, like, those, like, rea- this is way worse than all of these reality shows where people are naked and afraid in the woods, you Yeah, know? I'm, I'm going to guess this Canadian production from the 70s in the middle of the wild did not have, like, trailers yeah, for man. everyone set up. Who is, like, Holbrook is a guy who never had <laughs> an emptiness of roles that he was playing. This man worked constantly for his entire career. So the thing I, you know, that's the shame is like, I don't know the kind of thing that drove him to do a movie like this, mm. a movie that is been kind of forgotten. I mean, it's not a movie that gets talked about that much. I don't know if it was known at the time. I mean, yeah, it's, I, I certainly never heard of it until you brought it up and yeah, I, I got to think that he probably read that script and said, I could do some, you know, real work here. Yeah. This is um, such, this I could be know. such, this could be, I, I think, I have to think the people that wrote all those reviews calling it so, you know, this dirty, low budget, uh, 70s grindhouse. It's like, I think they just want that movie. Right. This is better than that. This is pure drama. If Deliverance is like an Academy Award multi-time nominated movie, I do not understand. Other than it being a similar thing, I don't understand how this couldn't also be. Yeah, I, th- I think you can get caught in a trap of hearing about this, you know, deliverance knockoff from the 70s and uh, get, you know, maybe more titillated and, and not, you know, if you're not in the right mindset to like explore real, real actual human drama, human drama. Yeah. Within that, the- if you're looking for Friday the 13th or, or, or whatnot, this is not going to deliver that same thrill. <laughs> yeah. 
This is this not a is, thrilling film. You know what I mean? This is not a... The, 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 the important a, questions that the movie asks, I think, yeah. set it on such a different level. If you actually want to listen to these conversations, they get into the depths of what's in a life. Like, what's a life? Like, what is what is the point? Like, what's the level of comfort you should strive for versus personal pride? And why should that vary? And why does it vary? And how Holbrook plays this, you know, man with a perpetual chip on his shoulder mm-hmm. who, you know, doesn't want the glory but kind of does have a big ego as well. And how that's affected his personal decisions and the ones that he regrets and the ones that he doesn't regret. And how it makes him judge his other friends Absolutely. that are there. Yeah. And you just get such a deep glimpse of what life means to all these people. And these deaths are not exploitative at all. Because all the deaths make everyone in the movie question their own humanity and their own sense of survival. And... <laughs> It all every death brings it up very important questions, which makes this feel like so much, you know, much more like a movie like the the Revenant, right? right you know, right. like the, than like oh, it's like Texas Chainsaw but without Leatherface. <laughs> no, I also the one. I guess I was, I'll yeah. let you go on, and then I'll. Uh, well, I was just gonna say I also like the aspect of a slasher that puts the that gives the victim skills to survive. Yes. Like these are doctors who like know how to like f- clamp arteries and and, totally. and know how to fix like a broken leg or set a broken leg. Uh-huh. So there's all these great like dude the the leg setting scene in this movie that is yeah, horror. That's to me. intense. And then H- Holbrook also being like a war veteran. There's a great scene of him like boiling some rice or something and talking about his war experiences. Yeah. And just knowing he's got he's like oh he's kind of like he's. He's going to give this guy a fight. These aren't just right. guys running. Like, but it never feels... You know the fight's coming, but then when it finally goes down, it's so like... It has that same kind of Death Wish 2 aspect of like... <laughs> not. It's not satisfying to me. Nothing was won here. Yeah, exactly. The movie is handles it very well that it never seems... Even though you're seeing the different skills that the, some of these guys have, Hal Holbrook especially, and you're seeing how tough they're being and how even still like you know even when they're going through moments of like we don't know that a guy is doing this on purpose it's like mm-hmm. obviously we know all right <laughs> we're dealing with this but you never feel like they have a chance mm. they just have a chance at a certain point of living longer and there's that bleakness to it that i wasn't expecting I wasn't expecting that level of uh, emptiness mm-hmm. and the dignity that you can find within something you know is most likely failing. And it never really loses sight of that. It really shows how uh, how different your choices can be depending on the you know the levels of depth that you're put through. And I could, kept being shocked more and more at the depths that these actors were put through. Those shots up on the mountainside where they're just slipping on loose rocks while literally carrying the yeah. heaviest actor in the movie <laughs> on a stretcher. Yeah. 
And they're literally fall. I'm watching the actors. There couldn't be a stunt guy. I'm watching Hal Holbrook. They can't get a match for Hal Holbrook. Oh, man. Have you ever fallen down the side of a hill like that? Oh, I did when I was like 14. Yeah. Out hiking or whatever. Yeah. And it was like, oh, let's go down this hill. Oh, yeah, we can make it. And you're stepping and stepping and then you lose it and you just slide. It hurt. Oh, I had I had you have cuts road rash all, all up your the, leg and backside. It hurts for, like hell. Oh yeah, you can't sit down, and this is happening. Hopefully, to these those guys. guys for, maybe they had pads like the girl in Once Upon a Time in <laughs> I Hollywood. Got pads. Sometimes Hal <laughs> Holbrook throws himself down a hill for fun. Yeah, maybe. But that's the most important <laughs> thing is putting these guys through this torture, uh, like the movies that at least subject their actors to this thing. It made it look like these people were going through that torture. Mm -hmm. And it helped me not think about this thing as a movie at all at a certain point. I was worried for Hal Holbrook. I was worried for Lawrence (laughs) Dane. Like, this movie looked like it was shaving years off of their lives, man. They were going gray throughout the production of (laughs) the film, you could see. That's where he gets his shock of white hair. I know. Holbrook goes into rituals. Dark jet black hair comes out, Shaka White. Comes out just Christopher hey, Lloyd, man. And, you you kind of uh, look like uh, Mark Twain now. <laughs> <Yeah>. What? <laughs> That's yeah, how it goes, guys. This and So when it starts getting more uh, overtly horror and show, you know, getting to people dying and stuff, the movie never loses me. And it just seems like, God, this is just more hell and more morality that these people are putting through. The only thing I can think of that the movie doesn't get the respect that I think it earns is the Madman Mars element, <laughs> where we get just a crazy big old eighty-year-old mountain man yeah. as the like. This is the guy. This is the guy. This is the guy. Isn't he even blind in the movie? Well, that no, that's the dad of the crazy. Oh, that's mountain the dad man. of the guy, or the uncle. They or do something. Sh- okay. so that guy is blind and old, and he's just like. You're the you're the ones he was talking about, and right, right, right. We get this. It's suddenly, you, yeah, that it's like Madman, and then yeah, Madman's older uncle. <laughs> yeah, we get a couple of Madmen, and it's like, that's but they're what, that's I remember that now. Yeah, but they're more like Fraggles. <laughs> they're like not real people. They're like the people from the trash heap from Fraggle Rock. They just got like big old wild hair and yeah. beards, and they're kind of like shaped like gnomes there's like point of view shots earlier in the film where you see them like creeping up on Hal Holbrook and them and like they're supposedly like place a war medal on the friend while they're out of sight and it's like like these are the guys sneaking around the forest yeah they make such a big deal about (laughs) dude so if they know the region obviously right away when they're looking at their map and they're like all right so it's uh 15 miles south to the uh the lake but nobody's at the lake so it's 27 miles to the hydroponic dam and then you see the first 20 steps of that journey, and it's already, like, walking on, like, sharp branches and through bushes and up a hill. And you're like, oh, jeez. Yeah. No, it's not 27 no miles of me walking into town. No, yeah. This isn't a walk around the lake at uh, Howarth Park. Yeah, like, 27 miles of just walking on a track. Yeah. You would be, you'd be done. Like, you'd, you, your feet would be dead, no matter what shoes you were wearing. You would have blisters that would make... The 13th mile and up, so painful. It's the same kind of way that I I brought up Stephen King because a lot of it was reminding me of the long walk. Mm. Because these guys were just like, no, if we stop, we lose. He wins. We have to show. He's not expecting us to fight this long. They're trying to outlast this thing that they don't even know what it is. Right. This movie could be Predator. You know, that's what it is. But with Madman Mars. Yeah. 
And uh, that's one thing where it's just like, this is the guy that's had the endurance and stamina to be running back and forth through this terrain, somehow staying unseen in his movements, even though he's been proven to be within 10 feet of them. This guy? It's almost like... The in the overalls? I gotta the imagine flannel? the smell of that guy would give him away yeah. within 20 feet, right? So is, the, is it that the reason why people are just like, well, that... But none of the reviews that I read seem to say, like, the movie was incredible until Madman Mars showed right. up in the final five minutes of the movie. It was all just like, ah, oh, this is a gritty romp. <laughs> like, dude, these guys look like they should have complained day one to the Screen Actors Guild. Well, I Guild. think a lot of people would say the same thing about First Blood. It's like, you watch that movie, mm-hmm. it ends in tears, man. Mm-hmm. It, is a, in, <laughs> it is a psychological horror show. Yeah, it's really that mental thing of... Uh, when when a sequel to a movie comes out that's so much more different but becomes so much more famous mm-hmm. that the early movie gets totally misrepresented. Like Rambo is still thought of like as cool machine guy. It's like, no, dude, Rambo's like a dude getting hassled on his way back from the war right. by some cops. Rambo's a guy who had a mental He didn't go breakdown. save like the hostages in yeah. Rambo one. Exactly. You know, and people talk about how funny Evil Dead is. It's mm. like, nope, Evil Dead's pretty pretty dark. Sure. Evil Dead 2, clearly doing it for funny. No, Evil Dead 1 has a lot of, like, tree rape horror. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not a total catchphrase yuck fest in you, that you're one. You're saying the tree rape didn't make the jump to Evil Dead 2? <laughs> they did not recreate. They like it. That's a big, important part of the series. But this is just gets into that beautiful, gorgeous Italian movie aspect this was getting Mm. Fellini-esque when he's dragging that stretcher you know that's like those great spaghetti westerns like Django dragging his coffin through the desert you know this was getting like last temptation of Christ levels of punishment yeah and so I can see somebody thinking if their criticism is that weird choice to go with the backwoods mountain family at the very end like they go right the hills have eyes in the Mm. final five minutes but even that leads to some crazy horror. The bargaining that Lawrence Dane's doing <laughs> when he knows he's dead. Like, just the bargaining and the desperation and, the, like, God, how scary would this be? Just in that moment you know you're dead and it's going to be the worst death possible. Well, like, if you go on IMDb, the image of Rituals is, like, the guy in the fire. Sure. And as I'm halfway through the movie, I'm like, there's no way that's part of this movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm s- and then, oh, yep, there's that scene. There's the scene. We should have said at the beginning of this episode to just go watch it on YouTube or, yeah. or any of the services on because it's available. it really does benefit from going in and letting this movie just drag you in. Because I kept being sh- actually shocked mm. at what these guys had to go through just to make this movie. And I came away super impressed, even with the Hillbilly Mountain Men ending, which was weird. Admittedly weird. Brings up a lot of questions about the movie that I didn't have before. Right. Uh, in the rest of the movie. Exactly. Raises a lot of questions that uh, weren't that we didn't have to have. Um, probably would have been better to never see the guy. <laughs> Actually, yeah, probably. Probably would have been better to just let him get picked off by who knows what. Sure. Much more satisfying. Really would have elevated it overall. But as it stands, I was so stunned by the power of the movie. There's a, uh, you know, I there's this great Cornell Wilde movie uh, from the early '60s where forgetting it, the name of it, look it up later. Okay. But uh, 
it's a survival movie where he's a he's a explorer, an Indiana Jones type guy, and the movie takes this turn five minutes in, where <laughs> he's being hunted by natives for this whole movie, and it turns from this like fun survival movie to watching all of his cohorts murdered spit roasted over the fire killed by snakes like killed in these brutal tribal rituals this movie's mm. from the early 60s like 63 it's got to be the, the naked, naked prey the naked prey I just, I just remembered it yeah the naked prey uh it's like an hour and a half of this guy getting hunted having to live inside the husks of animals that he murders Jesus. and like cons and it's like oh this Tauntons. this movie just sounds like a fun Back backwoods adventure up. It's this desperate struggle with nature and man. Just just Nelson coming out of there. I could think of two things wrong with the name <laughs> yeah. of that title of that movie. <laughs> Rituals is so just exhausting in yeah. what I'm watching these other humans go through. I was blown away, even with Madman Mars at the end. I, I love this movie. So there you go. Yeah, were were you as were you at the same spot? I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was uh, m- much more intense and character driven than I was expecting. And uh, like I said, I loved I loved all the aspects that it did. Like I said, the survival aspect, yeah. the giving a doctor a, a way to use his skills. Mm-hmm. It, ba- uh, and, it really did balance all its, that stuff. Its themes and genres so well yeah. as a survival movie. It's great as this kind of vietnam allegory it's great as a horror movie it is terrifying you know it's all it nails all these genres with with the a great balance Mm -hmm. so i i love this movie i will be recommending this one all over the place this is a great movie so are you gonna recommend the next film in our uh podcast i love girls night out i love girls night out for a totally different reasons <laughs> than I loved Rituals. I do not think anything in Girls' Night Out was uh, Oscar-worthy. Oh, But it just was one of those slasher movies from the early 80s that the whole runtime made me, you know, just think about how much I love slasher movies. <laughs> like, how much I love everything about them. And how there's still, after I've seen so many, there's still movies like Girls' Night Out. That yeah. have all the best stuff of all the best slasher movies that I've never seen before. Who knows which ones are out there that I still get to experience. I know. I feel that same way. I was watching it and going, God, I've seen a hundred of these movies. A <laughs> yeah. hundred. It's got to be. Yeah. And still there's more. And there's more. And, and they're great. And they're all, they all have their own quirks <laughs> yeah. and quibbles and weirdness. And, you know, this one, yeah, from 1982. So this is right in the heart of just like that. There's a how that many early slasher 80s, movies have we seen just from this same year? Just that beautiful like early '80s era, though. Like, oh, there's just yeah. something. It's my favorite. Like, is this is this pre Sleepaway Camp? Is that like '83? Yes, Sleepaway Camp came out, but it's next. all you know. Yeah, it's like it's all yeah, that same. All that same stuff. But a year or two after the Friday Prowler 13th, had come same out about year this as time. Mad Men, Prowler, all of them. Uh, but this one is just like, like, are you going out of your way to be weird? Are you it's going got, out of your way to so, be? homoerotic are you going out of your way to be my dude (laughs) misogynistic this this movie this movie is pushing everyone into the pit of just like what the fuck man go for it the more and more slashers that apparently are still out there for us to see i love so much more like i said i love them so much i love them when they're at schools i love them when they're in the woods 
I was I, thinking that same thing too. I was like, man, the campus version of sleep. Like, oh, I camp. love seeing campus people. I love yeah. seeing their Letterman jackets. I love seeing all of the downtime dialogue in slasher movies because <laughs> every one of them invents new kinds of assholes, and oh, they're man. never the same assholes, but they're same universe of assholes and it's so like i'm so glad you said assholes because (laughs) the thing that stuck with me after watching this movie was just the phrase collection of assholes they just collected every asshole in the book (laughs) you know male and female but everyone gets to be an asshole equal rights in this a lot of them felt like pretty real characters though especially for this kind of movie the relationship drama was surprisingly like uh these people I get this. This is a little more uh, above the level of relationship argument than you usually get in a 1982 slasher. And But I love how you get those exact same relationship arguments in every slasher. I love all the same things. I love all the ways that slashers are the same. And I love that they're all just the same thing done slightly differently. It's just a different recipe for chili. Oh, absolutely. It's like using the same ingredients in Mexican food, but you make... <laughs> 40 different things yeah you know this one they have the the fun idea of having a campus-wide scavenger hunt yeah that that the sororities go on yeah uh and that's what and, and our killer is is in a bear mascot costume yeah we get our cool like and that's kind of the one thing that you know about this movie to establish yeah. that all the characters in the movie are involved with the basketball team every this is one of those schools where uh-huh. everyone gives a shit yeah they love but more than that these uh yeah they the, the drama between... There's a lot of interpersonal relationship drama like yeah. in uh, in Girls' Night Out. We, these we, people are all sleeping e- with each other. But we immediately get Teddy Radcliffe and... Uh, what's the other guy's name? He calls him Maniac. Oh, yeah. Uh, Pete yeah, something. Pete Maniac. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but these two like teammates and best friends are like, what's going on, man? I know you're hurting. Yeah. But you gotta give There's me a, te- give me give me another play on the court. Yeah. And then afterwards, after they win play. the game, they're like, "Come on, man, you gotta <laughs> you gotta open up to me, man. We're friends." And they're like touching each other the whole time. There's a lot of like men tenderness like, in this like movie, head to head stuff. This uh, is you. This close, is like close friends. More close friends. tender men stuff than we get in like Italian movies. Yeah. Where even in Italian giallos, the friends relationships are always just like close yeah but like you kiss each other yeah a lot of that this one is really like i love that that uh the star basketball player who's one of the most out of place dudes in a horror movie i've ever seen the guy from texas yeah yeah who looks like one of the von eric brothers you know uh who who disappears 12 minutes into the movie he seems like he's the main star of the movie exactly and he just kind of like he haws his way through things he's the one the movie actually had some pretty good, playful acting. I really liked the two drama guys. thought they oh, were really funny. God. I liked the uh, the radio DJ. I love the radio With his satin DJ. jackets and satin hat. and uh, He was good. That was like a young Eugene Levy, that radio guy. I know. He, he kind of had the, the just the big bushy features, but also just, yeah. Well, I, I do feel bad, admittedly. We I guess the main girl is Julia Montgomery, who just to, her college years were bad. Because what is she it, known for? Well, in this movie, she finds like a bunch of bodies murdered, and then she transfers to Adams College, where she dates Ted McGinley, and then gets raped by Louis Skolnick. Oh, she's in Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> she's Betty in uh, Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, she's kind of the good girl girlfriend, right? Yeah, she's like the yeah the the this, main 
This movie, this is why I think of this collection of assholes. This movie has a subplot in which our hero, Teddy Ratcliffe, yeah. who, who him and, and Pete are clearly lovers. Dude, there's, there's, okay, there's can we scene- talk about them drinking? Yes, drinking that's what game. I was going to say. These guys go from winning the big game to then they get cheeseburgers together where they are like doing like psycho references with, with oh, each other. Oh, dude, the psycho scene was great. Smash the, cut to the immediately. The impression was class. They are in their underwear drinking from bottles of Jack Daniels. Oh, man. Sitting on each other's lap. We got some good. I didn't mention it in the ritual, but I really love our one scene of the guys slightly relaxing. And having like a drink while floating in their river. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a lot of fun. Uh, Fifty-year-old men in various shades of pajamas. Mm-hmm. Look, and I like Hal Holbrook's tight white briefs with t-shirt look. So <laughs> just all those actors are just well, like, sure, I'll wear the most unflattering uh, briefs on camera. Well, the kids in Girls' Night Out do not leave much to Dude, the imagination. These guys, they're just drinking like dudes drink. Draped all over each other, <laughs> shirts off. It was like that scene in uh, the burning where the one kid's hanging on Jason Alexander oh, and like whispering in his ear. Yeah, yeah. But imagine they're only in their underwear in a dark room <laughs> doing that. That's this what is this scene such is. an unfamiliar and hey, male relationship. If to that's, me. I I was like embracing it. I was like, good. Like, let's do this. <laughs> and then the rest of the plot is Teddy sleeping with his girlfriend. <laughs> Then sleeping with another girl. Yeah. That's his whole weekend. Is that's just a, hanging on his buddy, sweet. having sex with his main girlfriend, meeting another girl at a party, and then being like 3 a.m. hook up with that girl. This guy is, And everyone's okay with it. This guy is in and out of beds I all over Ohio. I thought the 60s was free love, but holy shit. Is, to yeah, be in this, college in the 80s, man. This dude's hangout scene is so... It's, they're it's like, so crazy. They're like dr- letting each other drink out of each other's bottles. Like they're just holding oh, they're their like, bottles of they're, Jack yeah, they're and like pouring it in each other's mouths, kind of forcing each other to. Yeah, just he's getting like, it all over the place. Like, just what are we sloppy? What are we doing, guys? Just yeah. on on their bed, and they're and they're like, "Hey, no, you go, you go to the yeah, girl we'll, in the room. Yeah, no, we'll we're stay good. here. No, you keep, yeah, you, Julia Montgomery shows up. And it's yourself. like, oh yeah, we'll show up later to the party. We got a couple things to knock <laughs> we're off. We're gonna over still here. hang out shirtless and getting sticky with Pantless. booze. Yeah." Wow. That's just not something I ever got comfortable with people in. <laughs> I, I, I know specifically in my early 20s, there were times where people wanted to get loose. And I was just like, that's not my scene, man. <laughs> yeah. That is not my scene. I got to go. I don't, yeah. I don't do I that. I enjoy these parties. Sometimes they get to a spot where it's like... Sometimes the hot tub's out, you know, on yeah. and people want to get a little like yeah. into it. And yeah. you're like, no, 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 no. No. I'm good. The slight... The That's tiniest bit loose I get, the only thing that happens is one of my friends gets punched. <laughs> That's the only <laughs> So your friend was then Mike Pryor, played by... Mike Pryor, played by... David Holbrook. Who had a... Not quite as legendary a career as his dad's. Well, he doesn't like, have a photo on his IMDb page. Like, <laughs> So David Holbrook is like... That has to be the reason... Hal Holbrook is in this movie, I gotta right? Because Hal Holbrook imagine. has one of these great roles, but I will say, edited in very well because you could tell Holbrook is not around any other human being <laughs> cast in this movie. The first time we see Hal Holbrook as Mac, the security guard, <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, maybe my favorite part of the whole thing is the title card where it's like, "And Hal Holbrook as Mac, comma the security guard." <laughs> yeah. Thank you for the grammar. 
But yeah, we see uh, we see the kids ordering cheeseburgers, and then they're like, "How much? How much do I owe you?" Oh, it's on the house. Mac got it. <laughs> and then you see Albrecht looking off into another direction, just not in the same room. He's, he's in the no, he's in the diner, but you can tell Is there's he? nobody around him. He's just leaning against a wall in the diner. He's <laughs> clearly not looking at the kids and being like, "It's just him being like." Hey, how you doing? It's like they're just filming Halbrick standing. So I was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> For a part of this movie, there was a chance that Hal Holbrook didn't know he was in a movie. Well, and then the only other scene you get of him is him with David Holbrook. Uh, I mean, he gets to shine a little later, but for the first hour of this movie, you only get him in that one cameo scene. Well, and, then, and then a scene of, of him talking to his son out, out, out at a park bench for 30 seconds. And then he doesn't show up until it's the, the end. It's the nature of the movie local was, cop character, oh, though, man. right? That he gets more and more involved as the movie goes. It's it like got, John it Saxon better. in Black Christmas. It got you know? better, He gets yeah. more hearty parts I liked as the movie it. No, goes on. I, I, I thought he did a great job at the end. He's got a great stare in this movie. Oh, yeah. He does a lot of cool little facial reactions. He's a, he's a guy who's lost a kid back in his past. And he's, he, you know, but well, that's he like, doesn't have much to do, but he does it very directly. And it makes David Holbrook look like a terrible David actor. Holbrook is is definitely a, the dog of this movie. Sorry, Dave. Because I thought this cast was actually pretty strong. The acting was pretty good compared to the other hundred slashers that we've seen. Uh, these were all some pretty good characters. As much as they were assholes, all the women that are just cheating on their boyfriends and then just bald-faced lying to their boyfriends and then getting upset when their boyfriend gets mad about the lie. Like, these people are bad. Yeah, but and that act- girl slapped the shit out of David yeah, Holbrook, too. Holbrook that was a real a hit. Yeah. I think that was a genuine bruise on <laughs> yeah. his cheek later. That's what I'm saying. The acting during that kind of relationship drama is actually like, no, this these relationships are pretty fraught. I got to say, I just realized, looking at the IMDb, we've actually talked about David Holbrook on the show before. In because Oh, because he, he's in Creepshow 2. He plays Fatso, Fatso. The, uh, the thug fat guy from the beginning of Creepshow 2 who knocks all the comic books over in the rack and is like... If, <laughs> if you've seen uh, him in Girls' Night Out and you can see that he's a chubby guy... With a bad haircut. And you're wondering if he later gets his dad's kind of slim build. <laughs> the fact that you that you know five years later, the next gig he gets is as a character named Fatso should tell you uh, yep. the direction his body took. But he gets like, yeah, he doesn't do anything else really. He's Fatso in the worst creep show segment of yeah. any creep show thing. Old Chief. Woodenhead? Noggin? Knocking it? Some Woodenhead, I not, think. Not gonna go there. The epic journey of a cigar store indian um but then he's in a couple of larry cohen movies with really small parts oh that's he's in the cool. salem's lot sequel with michael moriarty okay that i really want to do and then so uh, he's fine he's yeah. good so he did a couple of cool he little things place. while his dad had a 50 year run on an off broadway as mark twain right and David Olberg's like, yeah, I was in a couple. I was in a sequel. I to got my dad into like, a movie in '82. Yeah, pulled so some strings. Hal Holbrook had to be like, all right, I'll, I'll sure. do it for you, Davy. Yeah, which well, is great. The thing is that David and 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 uh, Maniac and all these people are supposed to be red herrings because you're the whole point of the movie is who is in the bear suit. Yeah, right. Because we know that the guy in the bear suit, Benson. Great, great <laughs> character movie. name, but so, we but we know he is the mascot, and then he gets killed pretty early on, and someone takes his suit, and then you're the whole movie's right. like who's got the suit? Well, Except 
Benson is clearly 5'3". And, that is the shortest dude in a movie. He is and, so if, He is Pacino height in, and in this. that's the suit that you're working with, Fatso doesn't fit in that suit. <laughs> yeah. Maniac, who's 6'7", doesn't fit in that suit. None of the red herrings work because no one fits the suit. What is one thing I really loved? I was so into this. I was so happy while watching this. This movie was like just what I needed this week. I loved how cute they did this like who shot Mr. Burns setup for like yes. seven different people in the movie. They all got their scenes like that one nerd guy when yeah. it reveals he was following uh the main girl. Like, oh, you dropped your scarf. Yeah, even the nerd guy is supposed to be, maybe it's the nerd. It's like, we do so no, many different people nerd. that are like, could, I guess, plausible. No, there's, but they keep giving you like, I don't know. What if it's, it's like really bad Agatha right. Christie, but it was really charming how they kept being like, what if he is in the bear costume? But the bear costume, like you said, this guy is the tiniest man. It's insane how small this dude he's, was. He's the, one of those like short buff guys so he's just got that like kind of buff five because foot he's, tall he's, guy he's body. introduced in the locker room with maniac and teddy and all these dudes who are just jacked and then he shows up and literally is like nipple height <laughs> yeah. on these dudes he's so out of frame it is so funny he walks up and so you, when the bear it's like shows up doing... and it's a foot taller <laughs> It's like he's doing one work? of those dwarf routines where his knees are in his shoes just to make the dudes laugh. I thought he was doing a bit. He was so small. But now I'm imagining the bear with just like the pants only come up to the knees. Yeah. And like the sleeves only come up to the elbows. High water bear suit. Just fat guy. Just a white guy legs sitting down to the bear legs. Wearing the paw feet. Looking like an asshole over here. Uh, it's going to be worth it when I kill those people. And everyone's like, Benson? Benson? No. No, and yeah, it's like clearly POV. not. It's not Benson. Have you Coming ever you talked to Benson once? But the movie has such a fun uh, budget allocation. Because I love whoever made this movie is like, look, I have access to the entire Love and Spoonful catalog. <laughs> Yes. And we are going to use these Love and Spoonful. There's four different <laughs> Love and Spoonful songs that each play three different times yes. in this movie. The, the DJ loves... Well, the, it's DJ has like sta- four records. It's an oldie station at a college campus. Yeah. In, in a isolated... Like, this isn't for the general public. This is the college station. <laughs> Coming up next, The Love and Spoonful in 1982. Yeah. Give me a fucking Do break. Do you believe in magic? And they're like, yeah, The Love and Spoonful's on. My girl does a hanky-panky. <laughs> yeah. That's a song that plays in ni- this 1982 this college gr- radio that's station. That's why it's this great 1982 slasher movie, but everybody's wearing their like Letterman jackets and going to the, like, the sock hop like it's, uh, like it's 1956. Yeah. And, and we're just now swinging to the Sounds of rock and roll. And like some of them are drinking, like obviously, but some of these girls who are out doing the scavenger hunt are just out doing a scavenger hunt. Yeah. Like they're actually taking it seriously, figuring out clues. We Sp- we also get this weird like costume, but not a costume party. We get like a real loose rule costume party. Teddy shows up in leather daddy Dude, outfit. What I'm telling you, this movie is like <laughs> doing all this 1950s routine. He's clearly Marlon Brando in the wild one. Nobody else wears their little sideways jaunty leather yes, cap yes, that that's same what way. It is. And he goes around doing 
like oh, a Brando impression, as if no, to... as if somebody just had Brando like described to them. Doesn't he do a W. C. Fields thing yeah. in the locker room? Where he's like, "Hello, Chickadee." Yeah, that would have been fifty years ago. <laughs> Everybody that wrote these slasher movies was all these old dudes that had these old like, "Oh, all right, we need a romance reference." This... Who's uh, do a Maurice Chevalier reference. Right. It's like, Maurice right. Chevalier hasn't existed since the 30s. Hey, like, sweetheart, the yeah. guy in Friday the 13th. Everybody's got a bogey impression. Why are you doing that? Yeah. No, oh that's the best. When be- he did it, I was like, what the fuck is that? And then I was like, is that W.C. Fields? <laughs> He's just doing this at a party with like a bow tie and a cigar. Like, and not even Abbott and Costello. Like, no. Like, like, even more obscure. It's one of the best recurring themes Crazy. of slasher movies where people are just doing we the gotta most. Write, we got to make a slasher movie dated, and just yeah. write every old guy reference in there like that. Just like, like, hey, I did it my way. Oh, did you see Ryan? <laughs> he showed up to the party as Fatty Arbuckle. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Just, what? Look at that Liz Taylor and Cleopatra impression. Like, or a guy, or for our era, it would be a guy showing up as Dorf. <laughs> that would be the reference. <laughs> Legendary Tim Conway character, Dorf. So we are, I guess we are making old references when we make a door. Dude with reference. a little pom pom golf hat walking in on his knees. Oh, oh. shit. <laughs> I can't wait till Halloween exists again so I can be door. I'm going to be WC Fields. I don't know about you. I'm going to call everyone a chickadee and get punched in the face 14 Next times. Next cool movie contest I go to, I'm Dorf, baby. I'm going through Dorf goes golfing. Dorf goes fishing. Oh, please every do. Every year, man. New Dorf. Please do. I got actually, I got a bunch of old Ledbetter uh, golf tapes. You'll be Dorf. <laughs> I'll be Ledbetter. The, uh, also, like this whole movie's focused on a scavenger hunt. How bad would you have done at this scavenger hunt oh we get all these great scavenger hunt clues but since you can't waste a bunch of time on people figuring out the clues you have all these people solving these impossible riddles like wait a minute he said something about bats right and i loved it all i loved all of it this is an impossible riddle filled scavenger i i never would have given this scavenger hunt the fucking time of day this is not my bag going out in the middle of the night yeah it's clearly like Sometime in the winter, it's cold as hell out there. And then, yeah, and then a guy on the radio is like, so this surfer, you know, Elvis, blah, 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 he gives you all these random clues. I'd be like, fuck this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait, we aren't just getting actual clues. We have to solve riddles three before we can find. Yeah, it's everything's got a double entendre or something like that. And I love how it's. Come on, man, it's three in the morning. For all the time we spend on the uh, scavenger hunt, Maybe I missed it. What's Do the point? I know what the person wins? Nobody, everybody just is doing it like it's like government mandated. Like, you gotta come out for the scavenger. I think like, so. It's tradition or I something. I don't understand the rules or because everybody, because to set up every kill, a new person has to find the, each next clue. I also right. like how we went from like clue four to like, all right, riddle oh, number 14. Literally like, jumps wait. from like, yeah, like you said, yeah, straight up to, I'm like, 15 of these things? No, yeah. no, 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 how no. How long no. are they out? It has to be dawn by now. There's something in the movie where it makes it seem like it's a 50-hour like <laughs> yeah, thing. Just a marathon dance. Uh, like, if you thought uh, Rituals was a rough weekend. Yeah. Try doing this scavenger hunt in Girls' yeah. Night Out. It's insane. What? Yeah, like that's just not my idea of fun. I'm sorry. Mm-mm. 
That's it's that's almost up there with like camping in the Alaskan wilderness of like things I probably won't be doing. The, yeah, hunt. I have just as much chance. I have probably and more. Then, chance. And then it's like then the the things are like a Carol King record in a tree. Yeah, like oh, as soon as I would have seen that, I would have been like, I am so out of here. This is are you kidding me? Right. This is when I'm watching rituals and seeing what these guys go through and watching and feeling this deeply about the lengths you will go to that we've just never been pushed to before. We've thankfully never been in a situation where we had to endure what they did. And watching this, I have a better chance of going through what they did than solving (laughs) any of the riddles presented as part of this scavenger hunt. These were so obscure and so quickly solved by the most stoned girls. I love that conversation between the two stoned Man, friends. Those were clearly girls who were going to hook up later tonight, too. There's... This movie had some sexual energy between yeah. everyone. Oh, yeah. These people all wanted each other and did not care who knew about it. This, that, this had that, nothing... I gotta, I gotta say, that has got to be a talent, though, as a director, to get that sexual energy on screen. Because there's so many movies that you watch like this that are just duds. <laughs> and this duds. one really did feel like these people are horny. Yeah. Most slasher movies, you cannot understand how the guy <laughs> still gets to have sex with this girl. Right. These guys, Every slasher movie, usually, the Or, like, the guy just is why doing, these people are into each other at it, all. Yeah, these people always just hate each other, except when they're banging. Mm-hmm. And this movie, they seem like actual kind of real relationships. These people seem like they've been around each other and just like screwing. But all of them just... It is like Melrose Place. Oh, yeah. And Girls' Night Out. But this director, <laughs> who I have, I don't think, any idea of any of his prior no, work. No, I don't know any. Yeah. Don't know anything about this guy. Hardly did I anything. Think, yeah, didn't he do like five things on his eye? I mean, there's. This is like the only movie he ever did. The others were like television documentaries. Oh, okay. This is his only thing. And for a guy who Branching did out. his only thing, I was. Before I even knew this guy was that this was his lone movie. I was really impressed by a lot of the shot composition mm. and the way he filmed a lot of these scenes, especially filming in like a tight uh, scene like the party scene. I really liked the stuff he shoot, chose to shot in mirror before panning to this group talking. I kept being impressed by his mm. framing of a lot of these shots, which is a little more professional than you get in other low-budget regional slashers. Yeah, I get that. Uh it, he really knew. I thought the editing was strong, even though you could clearly tell Hal Holbrook wasn't mm-hmm. in the room with it, except for a scene I know towards the end. We haven't talked end, about I him think. at all. Well, eventually he gets into the picture because yeah. the. I love how this movie, about an hour and ten in, becomes like a police procedural, because eventually the bodies are found. Well, yeah, and then these cops are brought in to do, and we get a <laughs> lengthy interview sequence of yeah, all the kids. Yeah, they're interviewing all the kids. It's like Clue, yeah. basically. But yeah, Hal Holbrook finally gets a chance to kind of get involved, and uh, I love that. There's also this great. There's this aspect of like a uh, killer from the past who is supposedly yeah, locked the, up, and then maybe a escaped maybe it's, mental patient. It could be this escaped mental patient, and then who murdered Hal Holbrook's. Uh, yeah, yeah, Son? yeah. Who Hal Holbrook has a past with, and so he's got a few great like. It's like on his the phone Donald stuff. Pleasance, uh, you know, Jason. Uh, he's yeah, he's uh, Michael he's Myers, Loomis, thing. right? Yeah, 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 he's Loomis. He's got that kind of Loomis aspect. Yeah, and, he, and at one point he calls the uh, he calls the mental institution up because he thinks the patient has been calling in. Right, and he's like, "Yeah, what the hell kind of country club are you running out there?" And he gets <laughs> kind of a fun little like angry on the phone. 
Not oh, enough then, of that. There, there needed to be. I, I wanted to see uh, Holbrook kind of. T- I I, I know, read later that he filmed everything in one day. Oh, I totally this believe is a, it. He's in the movie a lot, especially the longer it goes on. But yeah, this was a one day filming. But it's boom, him, boom, boom. Film my seven scenes. It's him on a phone for uh-huh. most of the scenes. Or yeah, like that one. Clearly, he, they just had him stand there shoot but like move off it's kind of a funny thing when one of these super well-respected actors just shows up there's so many donald pleasance movies where he shows up for one scene oh, yeah. <laughs> movie I and would. you know i mean of course know, his kids in it I, I get that but for hal holbrook it's got to be so nice for a director to get a guy like this to do those things because you know it makes all these transition scenes so easy you need a guy that can convincingly talk on a telephone when nobody else is around giving yeah hal holbrook can have a one-sided phone yeah, conversation definitely you know and so it must be real easy for him to be like all right we got 12 hours let's knock these out but it, he's also i mean uh i think in the next movie we talk about maybe he's phoning it in a little more but uh this one i feel like he gave it a little bit there's no a, especially the more involved a, he is in personally yeah as the case goes on i think he gets really good it's funny i mean so i was kind of just watching him compared to all these other like less lesser actors <laughs> yeah. you know and just the way he, that he can squint and poke his head in a direction uh-huh. to give you that emphasis on a word. A lot of face stuff, yeah. He's just, it's, but it's natural. Like, it doesn't look forced or theatrical. Right. It's just, uh, it's an impressive theater then, thing that he does where he does broad expressions quietly. You know, right, the stuff right. that would play on a stage in an Qu- intimate play, like quiet intensity. Thing, quiet but, intensity. But uh, is a, you know, a big stage kind of thing. And one of the roles we haven't even talked about in this movie, from a woman I love, who I didn't even know her name. Mm. I had to look it up, but she's been in so much cool stuff that we've both talked about and we will talk about. Ratanya Alda as the diner woman. Okay. When we're the diner. Who had a relationship with, with uh, that I just didn't understand with, uh, with, the main, with Teddy. Yeah, she was. I about- thought she was like. His mom at first, and then I was like, they're really talking face-to-face in a super flirty way. Everybody in this movie, except for how Hal Holbrook's the one dude who seems like he doesn't fuck. Right. Everybody well, else is just trying to get laid. But everyone else wants to fuck Teddy, specifically. Yes. This dude is the center. He's the black hole of sexual attraction. Everyone is attracted to this yeah, dude. This, yeah, and he's flirting. Yeah, he's flirting with her. She's and- so good, but she is in so much stuff, uh, like... Amityville 2. Mm. She's a mom. She's Robert Forster's wife in Vigilante. She's in the original When a Stranger Calls. She's in Christmas Evil. She's in The Stuff. Holy shit. She's one of Elliot Gould's hippie neighbors in The Long Goodbye. <laughs> she's oh, a deer hunter, yeah. apparently. This woman's in tons of stuff, and I have and I was so into her fun, lighthearted, I know exactly what my role is in this weirdo diner mom persona. Because then, and even though I was wildly confused between all the super close talking between her and Teddy, and her uh, wearing a bicycle pump in her apron <laughs> that she could use for one time only comical effect, oh, for... <laughs> so it so, worked. You know what? I'm gonna add a little something to this character because all of that made the end so like a pro. Not. I don't want to sully sleepaway camp, but that same kind of reveal at the end. Oh man, she Great was reveal. freaking me out. That is, I kept wondering the more entangled and like 
Is this guy dead? Is this escaped guy? Somebody going to be a sister? Is there a switch of a body somewhere? I love that a slasher movie that could be written off by most as dumb and still goes to the lengths to do all these Agatha Christie moments and is still getting me excited to find out who is the person. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I like that it set up so many different people, no matter how implausible they were, and then goes all the way with it at the end. Her turn was amazing. Yes. I loved it. Yeah, the great reveal at the end. Yeah, I thought of Sleepaway Camp, uh, Psycho again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a Which, very... again, the movie already references Psycho. Yeah, it's already yeah. setting you up for uh, these different things, which most of these movies don't take the time to do that kind of thing. And she's got a great... There's a scene where you see her... Uh, you know, Spoiler alert! Uh, she's the crazed killer at the end who's got the Dale, uh, the the David or Dale voice mm-hmm. of her brother and then she and then Holbrook confronts her and she snaps out of it and oh, yeah. gives this other entirely opposite creepy vibe of oh no he's Teddy's right you know whatever the the, uh-huh. the dead psychiatric patient Katie brother Cavanaugh is Dick, right. Dickie Cavanaugh something like is it that Dickie uh, something like that. After a movie where we got nothing but Mitzi's, luckily we didn't get a Beyond I know. situation with Mitzi all and the Teddy and everybody. Yeah, all the Teddies. Uh, but yeah, the final reveal, final she shot, is... and then that's the move. Like I love that that was the, the final cold shot. cut is so Ooh. great when we get the the reveal of Dicky. Oh God! And this movie kind of had its own psycho soundtrack. Like it had this like beep 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 kind of it. intense soundtrack with it. It had this a really cool thriller score. Uh, interspersed with a lot of love and spoonful. Yes, <laughs> a lot you got of plenty of hanky panky in there. Yeah, and uh, hot town. Somebody was <laughs> like, "Yep, all right, run it back a third time." Kept waiting to hear the "Welcome Back, Cotter" theme song. You know, like, "Yep, right. get all the John Sebastian catalog out here. Like, sell this soundtrack." And it's all these like horror synth scores, and then like, yeah, then back to the spoonful. Yeah. <laughs> Now it's Tommy Jane and the Shondells. Oh, like, yeah. All right. Okay. If, yeah. If anything, maybe a little too wildly swinging on the moods. But, yeah. man, the Katie Kavanaugh turn at the end was chilling. She looked crazy, and they did that great voice manipulation where they had her, like, a kind like of exorcist uh, style. Black Christmas style yes, of, like, yeah. crazy phone call voice where her voice would be feminine and masculine. And so they did another drop earlier in the movie, which was the first time I'm like, that's a weird thing to say. When the DJ's talking to Hal Holbrook, telling him about, all right, I've officially gotten too many weird phone calls. Mm -hmm. He says a line where he's like, I don't know. I can't even tell if they're a man or a woman. And up until that point, I'm like, it's only sounded like a dude. Why would he say that? So that's what started getting me thinking. I was like, they're going to do a a body switch. (laughs) There's going to be a... The doctor was it's his either mother. Two, it's either two people or it's... Uh, so I was already excited to be like, oh, they're going to do something big. <laughs> like, they're they're biting off a lot. Let's see if they stick the landing. It is girls' night out, man. Oh, and I thought they stuck the landing. I thought the ending was so cool. I thought, uh, I guess, Ratanya Alda is her name. The I guess, actress yeah. who's in so many horror movies yeah. that I think are great. Uh, she was so creepy. And she was leaning so far into these like crazy voices, and just oh man, I love how how she went for it. She's born in Latvia. She's still with us. Wow, no, she's fascinating. I'd love to hear an interview with her talking about 
these roles that she was in outside of, you know, actual respected stuff. She's doing a right. lot of these kind of movies and I love that kind of actor or actress. So this is a movie again, sometimes we look at the IMDb ratings. This movie's at a 4.8. <laughs> this is like, yeah. I've seen so many slashers that I enjoyed that are clearly worse than girls night out. This movie is really good for what, for what I assume is a very low budget. Really good use of the budget. It's on YouTube right now and a really great copy. Yeah. Highly recommend good. watching it. So then the third. Now we'll, we'll have covered all the horror movies that Hal Holbrook's ever Here been in. This I love it. it. A totally different one. This is a great thing that all three of these movies were so different. But we get back to him as a priest character in The Unholy. Another uh, a money that I guess it made money for Vestron back in the day, but I had never heard of it. I'd never seen it. I had never heard of this either. Uh, it's from '88. Yeah, yeah, and Vestron Pictures. I love you know love that logo. The first and they thing always we put see out with the Vestron stuff. logo. Yeah, there's a lot of Vestron I like, but that that classic three sided logo with the glowing maroon orb behind it. I see that come up at the beginning of a movie, and already I'm just like. It's like I, my body loosens up a bit. Right. Just oh. see like, oh, yeah. We're, we're going to be okay here. Yeah. And it, great. I mean, this. I, I really dug this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a Catholic boy, so I love priest <laughs> versus demon shit. You get into that. I, I, I do. I get it, yeah. I was just thinking, I was like, man, I actually, I was thinking about it today. Just like, man, I do love this genre. I love all the Exorcist movies, obviously, but it's mm-hmm. like, I love the prophecy movies. Oh, okay. I love the... Uh, I love Schwarzenegger's End of Days. <laughs> Genuinely <laughs> All right. love that movie. I'm into the devil stuff. I'm into devil. I love the Spawn comic about books. Devil's Advocate. Um, <laughs> is that the lie? <laughs> yes, I'll say yes. Yeah, I'd say. I'm in. I'm in. Uh, yeah, all that stuff, though, really appeals to me. And uh, I love movies from the late 80s. I, lo- I mean, just like, everything mm-hmm. was ticking the boxes. This well, this is definitely an extra Everything movie. great. This, what I didn't realized until after watching it was that it was written in the late 70s this was written to capitalize on movies like the exorcist or the omen which would explain why it has strong exorcist vibes that would make sense yeah exactly but it was like an unused script for a decade and i thought the first 15 minutes of this movie were so good already it was one of those like how lucky am i there's i watched tons of movies and you watch enough of them, you're bound to be one that under, you know, underwhelms you. Mm-hmm. This is a good movie. I thought it would be better. There's you a, know, this it's is, a little underwhelming, but at, still, especially the this first... was still better than I than I thought going into it. They, oh yeah, because they went for something bigger. They didn't quite succeed in a lot of ways, but they were going for an actual drama in a lot of this. They were actually going for something semi important. And, uh, you know, a man questioning his faith and all that. They were actually right. treating it like serious drama. And, and there's and there's a great subplot of a, a victimized girl who is, mm-hmm. you know, had a dark past and is being used and, and the priest trying to save her. I, I love that character arc. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was, she kind of goes crazy. But even if it missed on several elements and some things kind of dragged on too long, I still thought it it really kind of bit off a little bit more than mm-hmm. a Vestron movie that's like an exorcist knockoff could have done. Right. 
because that the first fifty mats, I, I I think it was that old Roger Corman thing of just loading up the beginning with oh. co- your coolest stuff. Well, I was gonna say the beginning gives you everything you want. Yeah, because you immediately get this gorgeous woman. Well, not even before that. After the sick Vestron logo. Oh yeah, I love oh, the, the opening title. credits. Oh sure, even the what credits. What a great title sequence! Just Absolutely. like black and red and that heavy metal opening grid. Like they were just pounding you in the face just with that kind of movie. early almost CGI like uh, transition between the credits of like. Yeah, like Earth cracking yeah. open uh, comedically, uh, you know, in an animated form, like in the gate or something like that. And so already, then we cut to like a church with a sexy as hell sculpture of Jesus. <laughs> oh my God. This is this is one of the, this when they make fun of like the ripped abs Jesus. <laughs> this is what they're talking Rock about. Rock me, sexy Jesus, baby. <laughs> they start up with this like overly <laughs> indulgent pan up of Jesus's crucified body. They start at the feet and move up past his Tour de France calves. <laughs> oh <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> the slender but sculpted calves and gams of Jesus on this sculpture, which we are just you can't tell me that guy wasn't juicing. Itch. Yeah, past his just revealing enough loincloth. Stupid sexy Jesus into them that six pack that Jesus. Like we are getting the most careful, detailed pan up of this crucified Jesus's body. <laughs> And then there's a the but, but, but we get this priest like saying confession to this Jesus and I wanted to be like you're confessing cuz you're too attracted to this guy, <laughs> Yeah, right? you like, are into Jesus. I, I sculpted you too beautiful. I'm this sorry. is a sexy Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> but they lovingly paid attention. They gave this Jesus some camera time. But there was also a bunch of other cool sculpture work in the movie that really creepy the, uh the creepy like angels darkened sculpture. eyes sculpture was very creepy. And then I love like this beautiful thing about Vestron is we're getting all this wild imagery and heavy metal soundtrack and cool, like, you know, practically blood dripping animated effects, you know, and already you're like, this is great. And then they're already like, also here's demons with boobs. Like, <laughs> yes. like we got to put all these things in the first 10 minutes. We got to hook these people. There's got to be a reason this movie made money. You have us opening 10 to 15 minutes like this one. And I think no matter what direction you go, I think it sticks with the viewer by the end. <laughs> Leaves a more favorable impression. We're like, then we'll have this beautiful redhead play a demon who's mostly naked all the time. It's that Matilda May in... Uh... This woman, uh, Nicole Fortier, <laughs> yeah. as the redheaded demon. She's only in one other movie called uh, Scared Stiff from 87. Oh, another horror movie? Uh, I guess so, yeah. Man, horror icon. Um, but yeah, th- those are her only two credits. She is like otherworldly yeah in this movie it's a great cast it's yeah. like where did you find this woman and what happened i know vestron did not skimp in their demon goddess and uh role. yeah she she looks good in the you know the she's always she's walking in. around like like it's in a meatloaf video uh, yeah she's always wearing exactly. like this gauzy wet see-through just like thing pumped from behind her yeah all she's the always time. walking in with like through blown doors and, like, there's always this, like, like where'd that huge gothic candlestick come yeah. from? It's all a Meatloaf video every time she's on. You think Meatloaf is singing to a demon in I Won't Do That? Like, I mean, I would do anything for love, demon, but I won't kill another priest. I mean, 
Meatloaf had two semi-popular albums <laughs> called Bad Out of Hell, which had a lot of songs oh. about demons. It's starting to come <laughs> together. Yeah. yeah, this guy. Uh, That's this, a, that song is about sacrifice. Unholy is a subdued Meatloaf song. <laughs> it needed that. We needed some like Jim Steinman keyboards that just describe everything right. that's happening in the Unholy. Is or, like a, or Meatloaf is a bombastic version of the Unholy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one of the two. It could have benefited from some Steinman pomp. I guess, but most things could. The uh, <laughs> but I think front loading the movie with that, and then we already talked about Creep Show two in the last movie. Do we cut to the same building and the same ledge from Creep Show two, from that the ledge segment in Creep Show two for a ledge segment in this movie? Maybe it looked like the exact same building. Oh, are you thinking the uh, was that? Uh, oh, not creep show. That was cat's uh, eye. Cat's eye. Cat's yeah, yeah, eye. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was that the same ledge? It, it, the it building looked, like, looked exactly the same. That was definitely one of those buildings you've seen in fifty movies for mm-hmm. sure. Now, what's funny is that before you get to that ledge, we're introduced to our priest in like a weird segment where he pulls up on a car crash. <laughs> yeah, and then it's just like three years later. <laughs> That scene was. What was that scene for? You learned nothing <laughs> about a, the guy. The movie. Ad- it didn't need any. It does. It doesn't do anything that you couldn't do in the ledge scene where he's ta- he tries to talk a guy from killing himself. It's like that was such a weird little like. <laughs> I'm a probably priest. a movie. The movie does kind of like take a bit. There's a long bit, there's in spots. Weird there, bits like that. There could have been some cuts, but it's also kind of part of the movie's charm because we also get to go to like uh, satanic sex clubs. Oh yeah. And get, we sure do. and get introduced to William Russ from Boy Meets World. Oh, okay, yeah. This was th- this movie's got a great cast besides uh, Hal Holbrook, but mm-hmm. yeah, William Russ, the famously the dad from Boy Meets World, as a bleach blonde pompadour satanic club owning New Orleans threshold guy with yeah, a he's list. in this dirty like satanic ritual beautiful faux, uh, cosplay sex. I love when uh, our priest shows up there, and there's like a woman naked woman being like sacrificed with a sword and some woman goes are you sure you're in the right place i'd be like you know what i'm probably not i think yeah. i wandered into a wrong door here yeah uh, we get ned Beatty. oh ned Beatty's great as a this. cop and there's a great scene that, there's just all like all these little touches the one good touch i like is where mm-hmm. ned Beatty shows up to the church late at night plants the notebook mm-hmm. and then like finds quote unquote the notebook while he's talking to the priest you didn't have to do that no the you net but, that but the, scene right there is real. I already liked his attitude and the way he was talking to the priest, like before the ledge scene. You know, when the priest shows up by request, exactly before falling to his death, but not getting a bruise, but not getting hurt. Uh, I loved. I already loved how Ned Beatty was talking to him, but then that scene where he reveals his sly, mischievous, I'm not as dumb as I uh, right. might be letting on. Like he's been holding on to evidence and he's trying to like make it look like he's not been holding on to this evidence this uh-huh. whole time. I love that. I, that scene was like, oh, damn, that's why you get a guy like, that's why you ask Ned Beatty to please be in my <laughs> low-ass budget, the unholy. Yes. The kind of thing that he can do in that scene. Were, were these touches written in or were they just him like, yeah, I can play a cop like this. It's like stuff George Kennedy does in movies where George Kennedy does not need to do right. those kind of things. But yeah, are you sure you're in the right place? Like, nope. And then you spend an hour of this movie like, I'll be honest, I didn't know what was going on through a lot of this. We took some journeys. Well, not and... not much does happen. Yeah. So the movie, the idea is that this priest is 
uh, this who's the actor? Ben Cross. I don't know him. At I all. didn't know him. Great chin though. Holy that shit! That guy's got a long face. Like this is a like Bruce Campbell style <laughs> chin. But yeah, he is basically been the the priests have been searching for a special guy to take the over third. take over this one church that uh, there where a demon keeps killing dudes. <laughs> yeah, demon just keeps showing up and it's killing. Like, well, priests. that wasn't it. Wasn't him? I guess who who else do we got? Well, this guy fell out of a seven story window and didn't get a scrape. He sounds good. Maybe a miracle. Uh, but yeah. yeah, most of the movie is about him just reopening this church and like. <laughs> Having sermons and <laughs> yeah. having people there. There's a whole, like, there's this weird, like, they almost do a montage of him, like, cleaning the place up. But it's, like, 30 seconds. But then the next 12 minutes is, like, an extended montage of him, like, welcoming parishioners in. <laughs> yeah. Singing a song. Getting everyone to sing. <laughs> really serving communion. This guy, yeah, this guy's getting church back stuff. on the church track. So, yeah. So, okay. So, the church is open and operating. Yeah. Okay, we've got that really established. Really making sure we know that. And then he kind of gets wrapped up with this girl who's a waitress at the club, mm-hmm. and she is this victimized girl. And then it's kind of like trying to help her get away from this guy, Luke, who's the dad from Boy Meets World. <laughs> but Luke isn't doing anything illegal. Luke is one of those like, guys where they keep... He's not he, really doing anything wrong, it seems people like. People react to him like a bad guy, but then he keeps having these opportunities to really, like, exploit someone or really threaten someone, and he keeps not. Yeah. And so I keep, uh, yeah, at a certain, like, an hour in, I'm like, is he the good guy in the movie? Like, who am I supposed, what's, how am I supposed to be feeling William Russ? Well, he shows up, and you're thinking he's about to intimidate the priest, like, don't touch my girl, you know, this is my property. And yeah. then he's like, I think something's haunting me. I need your help. Yeah. And then there's a whole scene where this gust of wind blows the guy. Okay, first of all, he asks the priest to watch over him while he's sleeping. Yeah. I don't know that to be a thing. But the priest basically is like, all right, yeah, I'll do that. It's a thing in exorcist movies. And I don't think I could just fall asleep in my black satin sheeted bed half naked while I know a priest is 10 feet away smoking a cigarette just watching (laughs) me. That seems really weird. But yeah, so there's all these moments of like, seemingly to lead to something but like nothing really happens until like yeah. the last 15 minutes I don't know, the, the scene where it shows that I, I i do like the build-up where you don't really know russ's motivations and he gets this priest over to his house and you think it could easily be like we don't know how dangerous this guy is and uh this i, could, could I kept trap. waiting it yeah could be... I, I kept waiting for like that that idea who i don't know what it is the idea of the, you know introducing the gun Sure. And then having it go off, like he's the gun, and I kept waiting for him. <laughs> waiting for him I kept waiting off. for him to go he off. He seems like a guy that's about to go off. Yeah, there's one time where the priest is telling him to stay away from the girl, and he has the priest removed, you know, with the bodyguards. Yeah, but even then, pretty lightly, you know, it's light like a- touch. And then the girl accuses. Uh, William Russ of trying to rape her, but kind of seems like maybe he made a move and she rejected him. And <laughs> yeah, there's like it's really hard. He's to do like, these. I don't. He's like, I don't go for that stuff. So he's never like the bad guy. It's really a hard thing to pull off in like right now, especially to make a, a, a <laughs> right. sympathetic guy who's been accused of accused of sexual assault. But they come up with a really simple. He's like, Are you kidding me? That's really not what I'm into. Ask anybody. They were there, and you're like, Well, he's seen. Yeah. You, it doesn't yeah. seem like he did anything, You keep actually. expecting him to be lying the whole time about things, and seems like he's not lying about things. Yeah, like, he's just one of those... Everybody's met one of those guys where their friend is like a friend that you've never met. And they're like, oh, he's the best guy. He's so cool. And then the guy's like nothing but an asshole to <laughs> right, you. Right. You're just like... But he's not doing anything wrong. He's just like not the guy you thought you were going to get in. Yeah, you're like... 
oh, get man, along with. You've never met you've never met Harry. Oh, he's really great. And then Harry's just like, oh, you liked that movie, huh? And you're like, man, what's this, what's this guy's problem? That's <laughs> this like the whole time. William Russ is just acting like he's about to do something like real dickhead. But he's but also it, like he's also like makes it very clear. Like, look, I know you're a priest. I'm a guy who owns a satanic club. It's all for show. Like, that's not really my bag. Like, <laughs> trying kind of trying to be cool. And Ben Cross is the priest kind of gives him nothing but fucking attitude (laughs) (laughs) like seriously he he, from the moment this dude shows up in his church he's like come on man quit trying to turn this this thing around all right (laughs) does not give luke a fucking inch does not give him an inch man this is like it was so yeah so anyways so we had this kind of down eventually luke gets bisected upside down once the movie (laughs) goes really into their (laughs) once the movie goes into their like special makeup effects oh oh, man we start getting like john carl beekler slimy like goonies demons but the william russ death is gross just crucified upside in an upside down cross guts you know disemboweled hell yeah like already this is like and there was that other cool visual effect where uh, Ben Cross has the, like, snake's underwear. Just his yeah. whole groin is writhing with snakes. And There's like, a, oh, God. There was a total snake wrangler uh, credit in the credits. I was like, those are snakes. Those are <laughs> yeah, real snakes. those were real snakes. <laughs> yeah. That's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's why it kept throwing in. That's the benefits of a movie like this being made when it did, 1988 with the killer practical effects and made by somebody like Vestron who loves practical effects. Well, you know yeah. who the the uh I'm pulling it up right now. I don't actually know who did these uh did these effects. Special visual effects director Bob Keane. I don't I don't recognize the name. Makeup department on Hellraiser, Candyman, okay. Kroll. Oh, were you getting Candyman vibes from this movie? I was getting Hellraiser and Candyman. See, vibes I didn't from get Hellraiser. Movie. I was getting Exorcist and Candyman. Yeah, with a lot of the vibes here, and I couldn't really quite explain the Candyman because it didn't have any part of you know the racial tension that's so important and the class warfare that's so important in Candyman. But maybe it was the score. Maybe it was some knockoff Philip Glass going on. But there was a lot of religious vibes that I got the same religious undertones Definitely. from Candyman. So that's cool. <laughs> he was also just. adjacently involved yeah just a cool dude yeah hellraiser was 87 so this was about the same time yeah i get see i didn't get hellraiser at all but that makes sense and especially yeah some of the more gorier what right when it gets more in like oh like what's that sam uh sam neil movie where they cross into hell event horizon yeah 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 starts getting into some like event horizon like yeah, craziness. The, yeah, for all it's kind of like meandering, this movie has these great sequences where he's having nightmares or something, and it's flashing these little two-second yeah. little that's, bits. That's where I when Sam Neill's getting all these brief glimpses into hell. Yeah, and you know? some of it yeah, some of it ends up being stuff that's in the movie later, which is kind of weird. But then, yeah, there's this sequence at the end where he seems to be falling into hell. Yeah. And you're just seeing all these tortures, and oh, man. <laughs> it's, cra- it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's it's a sense they made. I really like you know even though I wish they they could have paced the middle a lot. I love that they put a lot of budget in the first ten to fifteen and all the rest of it in the last twenty. It's a classic Fine. B movie. Yeah. This movie is a classic B movie. Yes. They do everything right with that, and the the creature effects you get at the end. 
I love. It's right in my fucking wheelhouse. It's so I really loved right the, in the, my wheelhouse. The naked redhead demon turn into that like alligator yeah. kind of demon. We do get some like dwarfs in slimy wet beakler kind of. We do get our goodies, little our uh, little people who kind of knock you over from the side. Yeah. We got one little person that I guess probably got blown completely apart. <laughs> We, I think that was a special. This effect. great shot of a demon, like kind of waddle running away down down like a church pew row, and then just getting blown up. Yeah, yeah by the it's, powers it's, of the priest. It's definitely got that kind of Ewok run vibe, where they're just kind of <laughs> yeah. striding. Except a slimy naked demon baby. Right. It looks like a little worm. Yeah. Yeah. But man, the 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 big creature that you finally see the tongue prosthetics. Oh of this yeah. Thing. Do a, get a nice, a long, thick, gooey tongue that is inching closer and, and just, closer to a poor girl. And it's like slimy and dripping. Yeah. Oh, I was just like, yes. I love I'm that. So yeah, here for this. So into that when, when the goop shows up. Yeah. It's such a. I didn't know the movie was actually going for such an all out. I, I didn't think that was going like, to go there. Special yeah. makeup effects finale. I didn't think we were going to get that much creature at the end. Like totally. clearly two dudes in a suit type creature at <laughs> yeah. the end. Good yeah, we stuff. really yeah, we really get the like in the mouth of madness kinda. Or just right, like that big thing in Hellraiser that's like Oh, running down the hallway. Yeah. yeah it reminds me of that a little bit. Legil- yeah. We really go to that. I love him falling into hell. I always love when the floor of something crumbles away into hell. Hell yeah. Always love that. And we get a gr- and then it comes back totally fine. The church floor is exactly. fine, everybody. Everything's fixed up. Yeah, it got busted up, but now it's all good. The other reason why I like the priest versus demon movies is good always wins. <laughs> yeah, nothing I can ever... go home, sleep well at night. <laughs> yeah, knowing it always that leaves you nice. Maybe there's demons out there. Maybe there's paranormal things, but God's got my God got my Im- back. I'm always impressed <laughs> by the priests knowing they're like, no, I know exactly what to say to this demon. It's like, when do they teach any of this? I know they're passing down prayers and notes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Knowing how to like hold your arm out in a certain way. I I love the whole idea of like the Catholic church having this sect of like demon hunters and priests who are like, that's what they do. Are all these exorcism movies actually like the Catholic church isn't all bad? It can't be real. Yeah, that can't actually, because I would have become a priest if I was like, I can go fight demons. Hell yeah. Let's do (laughs) this. And Helsing nature of these priests, even Hal Holbrook in the fog is just talking like, no, I know exactly what these leper pirate ghosts want. Like how? It's how me. are these priests just all want. knowing? Yeah. No, I know what will stop them. Yeah. If you any- do? Yeah. <laughs> <You'll>, please. <laughs> really? Go ahead. You seem very confident this will work, but so do we know? You know what to do, but I have to do it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. kind of seems like we could cut out the middleman here and maybe so, you take care of this. Yeah. I, I agree. You mentioned earlier how Holbrook's a little like underused. He's not really. Yeah. He doesn't get much to do I don't really to do totally know the motivations between Hol- the Archbishop Holbrook plays and the blind other priest. Like, I really couldn't follow what. They're, they're the guys in charge of killing this demon. Yeah. They, and they can't figure out that the statue that moved there two years ago from a church that burned in Europe is maybe like, it's so funny because they're like, well, this church, this statue just got here the same time that this priest started dying. Yeah. And apparently everyone died at its last church. So you believe <laughs> in demons. You believe that this stuff is real, but you're not making the connection. These people, nobody wants to falsely accuse something. <laughs> You know, they're they're just being careful. They want to make sure until they have all the facts. Yeah. Yeah, I know, like, you know, before when, uh, let's say, my cat, Tacos, starts acting, (laughs) like, kind of strangely. 
And I'm like, well, let's see. He's been doing this for three days. What happened three days ago that might have changed his behavior slightly? That satanic ritual yeah, you had. Yeah, oh, that weird, <laughs> that weird cigar store Indian I brought into the house. <laughs> like, that's what I got three days ago. But yeah, none of them are just like this. It looks like uh, the same... <laughs> <laughs> the same evil statue that's in all of those. Uh, oh yeah. What are, what's the big popular horror series that I don't see any of? That's made hundreds of millions with Vera Farmiga. Oh yeah, the Conjuring. The sure. Conjuring series. It's like the same. Like we brought in this painting of this evil nun and not see. I even like those because they're like demon hunting. You're into. You just love. All right. I used to watch those like paranormal state like uh ghost hunting shows and <laughs> okay. anytime they would have one of the they would have like the old lady warren on there and i'm like yeah she knows about demons oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i've never watched any of those like paranormal shows or ghost hunters i've never seen one conjuring's episode. a pretty good movie that first i've one. seen one of the i think i've seen a conjuring sequel i saw I like, the one in britain i think that's the second oh, one yeah, i've seen that one i like the first that was one fine uh, it's no I'm more interested. I don't think I, I even knowing you were raised Catholic. I don't think I knew the level of interest you had in the in these uh, in that kind of I like genre. Them, you know, you're into it. What are you gonna do? But this was good. Even even with the dips, I still like. Oh, this is way better than <laughs> than I thought it was gonna be. They actually tried to do something with this material. It delivers. You know, it's 90 minutes. It delivers totally. It's, it's on Tubi. Right. Uh, if you can get through the commercials, it's right. interesting. I actually saw this and immediately went on eBay and was like, <laughs> I bought it on Laserdisc. You got it. Because I, I was like, the cover's really cool. I was like, this, I'm, I'm trying to really uh, get specific on what I buy for my collection now, not just like not buying just, lots It's a Laserdisc, so now I so have it. Yeah. Now I'm like, all right, I want this movie. And I saw it and I was nice. like, I got it. So now yeah. I'm, I'm going to watch now it commercial you're getting free. more into curation rather than just it, amassing. Absolutely. The wealth of laser and, you, and I'm the kind of curator that needs the unholy <laughs> in my collection. There's apparently. been so many times over the last decade where I've watched a movie and I've gone and looked. It's like, I wonder how available the Laserdisc is mm. for this one or the VHS for this. You know, absolutely. I just see like, I want to I want to like this movie on VHS. This could be this a, is this probably a cool but, VHS yeah. movie. Yeah, exactly. I, I really liked it. I could not believe that I got lucky enough to see three movie, you know, exceeding expectation know, horror right? movies that I've never seen before, barely heard of, all starring Hal Holbrook. The guy's got five horror movie appearances. All of them are hits. Nailed it. In my book. Even the weakest one, which is probably The Unholy. For him especially. Yeah. yeah. He's He just, he is a guy that just doesn't have much to do. It's, right. It's unfortunate. It's, yeah. It's not... Well, especially when it's compared to rituals, which is right. Well, yeah, a of genuine, award-worthy performance. We've seen a lot of those movies. This is one of the most effective survivalist and the the bonds of man kind of movies I've seen. Absolutely, it just happens to have a Madman Mars. <laughs> um, Deliverance just ends with <laughs> a big old like ogre man. Like, really, it was this ogre man the whole time, just taking it to Ned. Baby. Serious. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Man, there's another connection, uh, the Beatty right? connection. Oh, absolutely. Beatty does not get raped by Madman Mars in the cut of the unholy that I saw, at least. But part <laughs> of me, because, all right, maybe this is dumb, but because we've seen Ned Beatty do that before, I was like, 
Is this guy going to get ravaged by a demon? <laughs> Are we yeah. going to get a rubber suit guy just piling on this dude? He kind of, yeah. Unfortunately, his character arc kind of trails off too. I, I was, uh, that was, that was a letdown. Yeah. It's like they only had so much time of Ned Beatty and they're like, we ran out. <laughs> we can't film this other scene. Really seems like he just kind of, yeah, time runs out on. And they're like, all right, we don't have Beatty anymore. Like, yeah, well, yep. But I was still into it. And this was, you know, it's sad that Holbrook's gone, even as a guy who was acting up until, I think he only retired the Mark Twain thing, like, a few years ago. He was still doing it, like, you know, at certain revivals. And it's such a celebration of all the different things that this guy could do. Man, I would do The Firm. I would do that. I don't know how good my Wall Street episode would be, but <laughs> we haven't really done much outside of falling down. We need to do more Michael Douglas. Ooh. Guess what? He's old. He's what it's happening. It soon. could happen. It all could happen. All of these right? people, it's so close. It's He's gonna in the happen. 70s. I know. We're we're losing all the oldies. We need a real goodies. piece of shit to go. We need a real dirtbag. I think that's what happens. It's like off. it's like that same year where it's like Bowie and Prince. It's like all the good people died. When, when yeah we need a few scumbags yeah we need and, just and like, i don't i'm not gonna name names i mean there's John a few that'll make yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. i just at total <laughs> random sorry i'm sorry yeah unfair i don't unfair. believe in random charlie you've been sitting on that lovitz <laughs> death like, wish for a someone while i could let go pretty easily i think lovitz but hal holbrook what a fun excuse to do Three movies that we probably wouldn't... I don't know if this, I ever this, would have been drawn to rituals otherwise. Yeah. And I have been missing out because this is a true gem. Right. It's well, and it's like a movie like Girls Night Out, you know, on the list of slashes we haven't seen. You know, How maybe, do you bump up one over the other Yeah, at this point? exactly. We you know, have a reason to watch it, enjoyed it. Probably yeah. tell someone else about it if probably the would idea not have bumped this one up over up. a dozen other ones that I hadn't seen, if not for this reason. And I love that about our movie fandom is yeah. that we kind of go by these like, hey, I never heard of this before. Time to watch it. And this was three winners. Especially check out Rituals. It's on a couple of streaming Definitely. services, but it came to this. It did come to this. I'm Eric. I'm Charlie. Thanks for listening. Thank you guys. Good night. <laughs>